Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 70, our beginning of our top 10 lists of the year. I am your host, I almost said I am your host, Clint. You want to be Clint today? I don't. I don't. I am your host, Ken. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, recently dethroned Speaker of the House, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, how are those votes going for you? I'm going to keep going. Good. Good. Every day I'll just vote four or five times and eventually we'll get there. I'll wear wear everyone down. I love that your pride and hubris is shutting down the entire American government. I applaud you, sir, for your patriotism. I mean, really, what has it done for anyone? Really? Did you have a good New Year's? Yeah. Good. It was pretty good. It was pretty relaxed. Just hung out with some friends and uh, watched um, the first Knives Out movie. Oh, nice. The first, yeah. Nice. So that was fun to show it to some people who hadn't seen it. And yeah. Jenny got to relive it and uh, remember how much it was nice. enjoyable. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm a little bitter. Oh, no. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why I'm bitter. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you and I went to dinner with some friends. We did. Friends that, that had come into town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we we, we, we like these friends. And uh, at one point in the dinner. As you do with friends. As you, you like, do. Yeah. As you do. You at like one them. point in the dinner, uh, the two friends looked down. Uh, the friends are from California, uh, which you would think is. The Hollywood home, elite. Yes, the Hollywood elite. But it's it's home to all things weird. Mm-hmm. And they, they uh, side note, I, I've watched their Facebook page. I've watched their social media. <laughs> The stuff they post, uh, they're into some weird stuff because Hollywood. You're sounding defensive. I am because they look down and they notice that I order my salad uh, just with lettuce and tomato. Mm -hmm. And then I get the dressing on the side. Mm -hmm. And then I pick up a piece of lettuce with my fingers. Yes. And I dip it in the dressing just a tiny bit. And then I place the lettuce in my mouth. (laughs) Now I understand this is strange. It it is strange. And I am very used to about two minutes of dinner conversation Mm-hmm. Being devoted to this strange little yeah. habit of mine. Yeah. Uh, these two uh, just went to town and <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing ever for 20 minutes. And at one point, his wife is scooping up nachos with her fingers, mm-hmm. eating a nacho, and then making fun of me, dipping my lettuce in dressing. So uh, that's that's kind of the that's that's the climax of the story. I don't have much more. I'm just I'm feel, feeling a little little salty about it. Yeah, better. still, this was a week well, or two weeks ago. Yeah, but really all, I, I've, I've noticed this thing you do, um, and but I was, I'm, I didn't say anything. You've never pointed it out. No, You've no, never, I've just you know like noted it in my brain that that's an interesting habit that you have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At one point, I was just like, I, I don't when I'm eating salad, I don't like the the taste of metal, uh, a fork <laughs> in my mouth. But are you okay and, with the fork with other foods? Yes. It's but, just but salad. Something about salad. It, this started in COVID. Maybe it's a, I, I don't know what happened, but mm. in brain quarantine broke. world, when my brain broke, mm-hmm. this is the one thing that gave me dinner joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it legitimately makes salads taste better to me. Do salads actually taste better? No. I do know that we have talked about this way too long now. <laughs> yeah. Just. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a metal fork thing. And then immediately they're like, well, what about a plastic fork? Yeah. Well, what about a wooden fork? <laughs> Just can I can I just eat my salad in peace? Anywho, uh, I mean, I, if you have a vegetable tray, it's not too much different. No, everybody but, goes up to the vegetable tray and picks up their vegetables and dips it in their ranch. And, but you have to admit, there's no lettuce involved with a vegetable tray. I just don't understand where lettuce <laughs> has been declared a messy food to the <laughs> restaurant going public. It's it's a very clean 
it just there's there's nothing messy about lettuce. Next time you have a dinner party mm-hmm. and you have a vegetable tray, mm-hmm. you just need to have some lettuce mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And you I, just need to slowly incorporate it and it won't be weird yeah, anymore. Yeah. I I think if I just start describing it as uh going back to my medieval roots, then if people question me, they're bigots. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, that very, very boring story leads us to something that is not boring at all, which is our top 10 lists of the year. Now, we are going to break this down across three different episodes. We have our top 10 movies. Uh, we have our top 10 TV shows. And then we're going to have a third episode where it's just top 10 discoveries. These are things that were not movies that came out in 2022, but they were movies that we watched in 2022. Uh, some they of them, were movies. They were movies. They were. Yes. And still are. They still are. But we just recently found them. No, 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 no. (laughs) They didn't become movies until we discovered them. Before that, they were aimless and adrift and had no form or reason for being. But then you and I Our witness to them has made them whole. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's how influential and powerful we are. Man, it's great to have power. Yeah, that's... That's what 6,000 uh, subscribers on Instagram will do for you. Mm. 6,000. That's 6, all it takes 000. to make art real. <laughs> anyway. Are there 6,000 listening, though? Or just uh, really like no. your ghosts? <laughs> yes. But, you know, we, I, we win them one at a time. It's, okay. it's a slow process, but it's okay. Um Just basically whore ourselves out. It's okay. Mm. Uh, But anyway, uh, this episode, we're going to do our top 10 films. I'm very excited. Um, Do you want to start? Do I I feel like you should start since I stole your name at the beginning of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome to it. Um, All right. So, so, yeah, I made a top 20, but mm -hmm. I'll start at 10. Okay. And then later on, I'll just give you the last, the other 10. Sounds good. We'll take a break at some point and... Kind of do our honorable mentions before our top movies. So, starting with number 10, Clint Jones, what was 10th on your list? I will say that 10 was the hardest for me. 100% agree. Like, one, I was just like, done. Yep. One's done. Okay. And I slowly got harder as I was going because, man, yeah. this was a really good year for movies. Like, surprisingly so. Like, even like just the small indie films that um, maybe aren't being given um, as much, you know, a notice for like awards and stuff are just as good. And, um, and I, I recently watched this movie to see where it um, – because we I, we watched it at the beginning of the year, and mm-hmm. I wanted to see if it still was on my list. So my number 10 is Men, um, mm-hmm. directed by Ma- uh, Alex Garland. And um, this was one where I think in – where it fell at the beginning of the year was much higher for me, but there's been so many good movies. And yeah. I and I think that this one, the the first viewing, there was a lot of mystery around this film. Mm-hmm. And the second time, that was kind of not as a, a big of part of it, because we've kind of like deconstructed it. Yeah. I've I've read a bunch of stuff on it. And it and watching it again, it's much clearer to me. But still, like, just the things this movie is dealing with, it actually has something that is trying to address um, within just, like, the context of, like, society and what we're going through in this time and we're talking about. And just the angle of horror, like, I really like the sense of horror in this movie. And um, there's a real subtle, um, mellow, like, 
just tone to it, mm-hmm. like in the horror, like it really like pulls back and just has a tone. And then like, it just like completely goes full tilt at moments and just has some of the strangest horror mo- um, elements that I've seen in a while. So yeah, 10 is um, Men. Okay. Me. Yeah, Men uh, is in my honorable mentions. It yeah. was one, I was watching it because it came out early. It was yeah, yeah. March, May, Something somewhere like in that. there. Yeah. But I was watching it. I keep my list over the course of the year and mm-hmm. I was watching it from month to month, just sort of drift down. Yeah. And I went back and watched it, I think in October, thinking, okay, this will bump it back up. But no, it's it was right about where it should be mm-hmm. for me. Um but it just, it made me sad. That was one of many that, that just made me sad that I couldn't find a place for it in my top 10. Yeah, I know. Like, I kept, I only, like, took it off a couple times. Yeah. I would put something else there. And then I was just, like, trying to think back about the impression it made on me at the time. And um, that's what kind of sealed its yeah. fate of being on my list. Well, my number 10 is actually the last uh, potential um, you know, top 10 movie that I was I was waiting to watch before I kind of finalized my list. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the most recent I watched, and it's Tar from mm-hmm. director Todd Field. Uh, and this isn't one we've had a chance to really talk about. I'm I'm suspecting that we will uh maybe in the future. Yeah. Um, but this one, I, I felt like such a dope, and I've already told <laughs> you, but I was genuinely convinced this is a true story. Mm-hmm. And so after the movie, nothing about this tells me that it's fictional. After the movie, I go to find out the differences between the movie and real life. Can't find anything. That's mm-hmm. weird. Nobody's made a YouTube video about this. Uh, that's because Lydia Tarr, not a real person. <laughs> uh, but this stars Kate Blanchett. And uh, this was just... Um, this was a very different film. It it felt more like a biopic than most biopics mm. because it just really took time to uh, sit with a character. And it's interesting that this was one of the movies that pushed men off of my list mm. because they're both about power dynamics and gender mm-hmm. dynamics and things like that. This just flips it and it takes gender out of the equation and replaces it with prestige or position. Uh, but it's essentially still about uh, how people operate uh, in a in a situation where someone has the clear power dynamic mm-hmm. and how that person with the power dynamic operates. And uh, I'm, I'm already kind of a, a nerd about, um, not that I know classical music, I just find that world fascinating. Yeah. Uh, composers and musicians and things like that. And I always seem to enjoy movies that are set in that world. Mm-hmm. And this one this one had me pretty riveted um, right up until the, the very strange end, um, which just felt kind of perfect. It felt like that moment of, of comeuppance where, yep, this is, mm-hmm. this is exactly regardless of talent, uh, what someone deserves who, who takes advantage of of position and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But the entire movie is just uh, so well-crafted and uh, and expertly acted that that it really, I, I wasn't sure if it would hit my top 10. I figured it would be an honorable mention, but it, it really, I was taken by it. Yeah. So that's my 10th. What's your ninth? Well, my ninth was Tar. Oh, okay. I, and well. I wanted to let you be able to say your thing <laughs> before I jumped in. Okay. Um, yeah, Todd Fields, like you said, and Kate Blanchett. I I thought this movie was amazing. Yeah. I I think Kate Blanchett deserves anything she's given for this. Her 100%. performance is amazing. Um, I totally agree with everything you said. As far as like, I, I love the power dynamic and how 
yeah, it gets rid of gender in it, and it's it's her just using her power, and it's kind of like she doesn't realize she's doing it yeah. almost, like that. It's just like she deserves whatever she's given and whatever she can take. And um, there's even a moment of empathy where you realize where she came from. Yeah, that sort of makes sense. It it doesn't go into it. It doesn't spell it out. It's not exposition, but it's late in the movie, and you come to realize, okay. She came from such humble roots that she sort of vaulted up and probably just lost. Yeah, she like it's like she slowly formed into this thing. And it it started off in a good place, but just like the power of her position and her ability and talent just took over and she just used it to the darkest um, extremes. And yeah, I I totally agree. I love being the the world it's set in. It's like such a high class world mm-hmm. that she's in, but there's also the, like this darkness in in the underbelly of it. And I, as much as like I don't listen to classic mm-hmm. music, I I love a live performance of it. Yeah. Just the the power of that many people making that big of a sound, is, and yeah. I think they did an amazing job at capturing that. Yeah. And um. I, I honestly love the end of it. It was yeah. it was so funny. It was yeah. like surprisingly funny yeah. and perfect. And that last yeah. shot is so amazing, like so great. Yeah, that it's like you when you realize where she is and what she's doing, it, it's so perfect. Well, and and when I went reading online, there's a lot of people like, "What does the ending mean?" I I don't think it's meant to mean much more than it's a very literal. This is where she is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and going into this movie, I hadn't really watched much of the trailers. And so I didn't realize it was sort of a, a fall from grace movie. Mm-hmm. I, and so yeah. it was it was a lot of discovery as I was going through it because it very subtly shifts in that direction. At first, it feels like much more just an exploration of this character in the midst mm-hmm. of their... Um, Getting ready for this big, yes. yeah, like it's kind of her penultimate, like yeah, moment it's, it's, in her it's career, kinda, like almost like um, uh, oh, what was the the Steve Jobs movie that um, with um, Michael Fassbender? Fassbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, there was another one at the time. I can never remember which one's the right title, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was sort of like that where it's not. I thought it wasn't going to show much of the negative side, just sort of the behind the scenes messiness right. behind greatness and it does that at first but then it it really it takes a slide and i think is better for it for sure and i really like the like subtle like her almost being haunted by yeah something like her what she's done and it's kind of um not very clear if this is just in her head or she's yeah. real i don't know it was very well done i thought well, it was and in the world of the orchestra she's so in control yep but beyond that world, she doesn't have control. She yeah. just has celebrity. And she she feels that loss of of grip mm-hmm. on what she's able to manipulate. And it just sort of goes through her fingers more and more. Yeah. Oof. Um, but yeah, very good movie. Very good. Uh, my number nine, I already feel like we're at number seven. My number nine <laughs> uh, also is a recent release, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Um, I, is, is this going to be somewhere on yours? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm curious about your thoughts. I will just say this. It is delightful. Mm. It is so much fun. Uh, my wife and I, she doesn't watch nearly as many movies as I do. So when I sit down with her and we're watching a movie together, especially for the first time, it's not something I'm telling her that she'll like. Yeah. 
we we just have so much fun when it works the right way. And we mm-hmm. both love Knives Out. And uh, Glass Onion was just uh, a trip. It was it was so much fun. It was Knives Out esque, and at the same time, completely different than mm-hmm. Knives Out. And I appreciated that. It's a different type of mystery. Yeah. Even though it's still a murder mystery, it it just the way it unfolds uh, made it feel very fresh and and didn't feel like a retread. Did you see the trailer for his new series that's coming? I did. Yeah. And I yeah. and I at first I was wondering because it says by Ryan Johnson. I was wondering if it was just like you know produced or whatever. But it's like no, he's directing all yep. the episodes. Yep. And it's it's a Hulu who done it. Uh, and mm-hmm. so say that one eight times fast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, he just he has such a good um, hold on kind of the whodunit or the mysteries or, yeah. or ways to make things twisty and I make almost, it modern. Yeah, I almost wonder if there's some version of Star Wars Episode Eight mm. uh, just out there in the the alternate universes where uh, you know it's he just takes Star Wars and does it Knives Out style, <laughs> like, the murder of Snoke. Who did it? <laughs> I'd be into that. Yeah. I'd be totally into it. Yeah. Fandom would lose their minds even more than they did, but <laughs> I would have been clapping my way through it. So, yeah, the actors are great. The humor's great. I laughed so much at this thing. Uh, what's what's your number eight, Clint? My number eight is uh, the Banshees in Inishirin. Inishirin. We, we practiced saying it a little bit mm-hmm. before. Inishirin. Inishirin. Uh By Martin McDonough. Um, man, I this movie, like, just hit a really sweet spot for me where it's got his classic he's so good at having humor perfectly aligned with like just like pure darkness and like then it never feels like it's competing like he's just so well good at like tapping in to like both um those aspects of life yeah and, and very, it feels so effortless. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't feel like there's this shift. Yeah. Um, and it, it just works so well. And, man, the cast in this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, Even the supporting cast. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. everyone is there, like, doing their job to the, like, uh, the best of their ability. And um, I I was just surprised how much I like this movie yeah. and, and where it goes. Um I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. And I think in like in a movie year that wasn't as good as this, it would have been higher yeah. even. So um yeah, that's yeah. I I don't even know what we talked about this one quite mm-hmm. a bit on our last yeah. episode. Yeah. So I I won't gush too much. This is also my number eight. Oh nice. Uh, and so yeah, we're we're I suspect we're going to uh hit some of the same films and then diverge here at some yeah, point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was my number eight and it's, it's probably the least sexy uh, of, of my top 10. Uh-huh. And, and I don't know what the, another word for it is, but it's just, it doesn't have the need to be special or flashy or performative no, or no. it's just a simple story put mm-hmm. on the screen with, with a few little flourishes, but it's, at the same time, simple but gorgeous. It's it's kind of serene but chaotic. It's it's all of these opposites, but yeah. it, it doesn't feel the need. And that's why I said effortless. It doesn't feel the need to sell itself to you. Yeah. Here's that's, the story. Here's the little village. Mm-hmm. 
you either are interested in this story or move on to the next movie. Yeah, that's the thing about it that's so amazing that it's so simple. Yeah. That it's just about this friendship coming to an end. But within the midst of that, it's like telling these like truths about the whole of life and just like in relationships and like it's amazing what it accomplishes within that framework. Yeah. I'm so like, that's what's so surprising about it. I, I was especially taken that there's, there's really no, there's no villain. There's no. not even an antagonist. No. Uh, you could sell both of the main characters as protagonists and depending on which way you want to watch the movie. And it just, it's, it's a film about two people at odds and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other layers and things that it it kind of explores, but nothing where it's hitting any nails on the the head. It's just sort of it's it's lightly and organically exploring whatever comes out of the story and mm-hmm. these characters. And I just I I loved it. Um, yeah, we said that in our review that like at different moments we were empathizing with mm-hmm. each character. It, it like like I I would be on one side and then the next mm-hmm. minute I'd be switching and that was it, it was so well balanced in that way. It was funny when I watched it the second time um I realized and the same thing had happened the first time but the the swing the first swing of empathy to Brian Gleason's character mm-hmm. is when I started to feel like at first, Colin Farrell is fun to be around. Yeah. Uh, and I loved his character. But then, as he just can't let this thing go, in my brain, I realize I'm starting to feel like he's dull. And I want the camera to move away from him and go to somewhere else. And, oh, my goodness, movie. I can't believe. Yeah. Martin McDonough, you just did that to me. Right. Uh, what a what a clever, I don't know how intentional that is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny because as Colin Farrell gets more repetitive, you start to really feel for the guy that's <laughs> been friends with him for years. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a great flick. Uh, so I believe we're to your number seven. Oh, um, yeah. So this was one of the, I guess, like movies of the year, the big movies of the year. So The Batman. Oh, uh, wow. By Matt the Batman Reeves. fell to seven on your list. I mean, that's just like how many great movies there yeah, were this yeah. year. Um yeah, so the Batman, man, I, I think, you know how I feel about comic book movies, mm-hmm. especially like the Marvel recently. Yeah. But the Batman, like, I still like, real like really like the Batman in general, just as a character. I'm not saying this movie in general. So I'm always interested to check out the new version. And Matt Reeves has done some of the best, um, like the Planet of the Apes movies, like these big budget movies mm-hmm. that somehow he can pull out these aspects of like indie filmmaking and tapping into these really interesting angles for these massive films. Mm-hmm. And, and he did that with this one. And I think it's the closest to a Batman movie that I'll get to seeing the version I want to see, yeah. where it's a detective story. It somehow is really dark. Um, but I feel like it's still not re- as real world as say like the Nolan ones mm-hmm. where it's trying to bring him to re- life. This one still stays within the confines of being a comic book movie, but um, being real, but <laughs> comic booky, dark. It's it really just taps into all these things that I wanted to see in a in a Batman movie, yeah. and um, I think the mystery angle of it's still really interesting and. Uh, it's one that it's stayed. I've watched it again um, since seeing it just in the theater, and it still had the power that um, 
I remembered from the first time. It's really amazing. It's a gorgeous movie, too. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the Batman. All right. Excellent. My number seven is not what I expected. <laughs> uh, this is one that just, for some reason, kept staying on my top ten. And when I first watched it, I loved it. I told you I loved it. But I, I did not expect it to survive yeah. in my top ten. But then I watched it, I think, an additional two times over the mm. course of the fall. And just, I, I don't know what it is about this movie. I'm going to probably keep saying I don't know what it is about this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's Windfall on Netflix with oh, really? Lily Collins, Jason uh-huh. Siegel, and Jesse Plemons. Uh, also sort of a <laughs> uh, a caper of sorts, sort of like Glass Onion, but not a whodunit, just sort of a... Uh, why done it? <laughs> why done it? That's perfect. Uh, just about a bumbling criminal and yeah. a bumbling rich guy and the poor woman caught between them. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie, I don't know if it was intended to be as much of a comedy as I feel like it is every time I watch it. But yeah. I'm, I still laugh out loud at this movie uh, on my third time. And it just the, there's something in the performances. I, I'm a I'm a sucker for dopey characters. Mm-hmm. Um that are that are done well. Uh, what was the Matt Damon flick that Soderbergh did, where he's the uh, the inform? I think it's isn't it the like the informant or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, and the movie is not as good as I love it to uh-huh. be, but it just I, there's something about really dopey characters uh, that just delights me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Windfall, they're they're not stupid. They're just uh, it's it's almost a movie of of misadventure and hijinks, yeah, uh, with some really dark subject matter and a surprising turn into again, something I think that really weaves its way through a lot of movies this year. It's that power dynamic between men and women mm-hmm. and, and gender. Um, I think that's been really interesting this year uh, through a lot of movies just because. You start with something like the Harvey Weinstein scandal and all the things that have been happening. It's very interesting to me that instead of just uh, stories coming out of that, genres have really dipped in and played with the idea of what that's trying to highlight. Right. And I think it's a much more interesting way uh, to examine different issues mm-hmm. uh, when you're coming at it from the horror of men or the 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 cold kind of drama of uh, tar or right. the weird caper comedy of windfall. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something I've thought about when I was thinking about men too. Yeah. Like I think maybe as time goes on and the this moment is isn't as like prevalent in our yeah. minds that we're just thinking about this and that becomes l- like. I don't know, not less of an aspect in that film, but that film kind of can be seen just as this horror movie kind of examining those ideas yeah. and it, it's not as fresh in our head. I think it might become stronger. Yeah. And we can, and you can enjoy it for um, just even just as a horror movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. Like, like movies like that and yeah. other ones dealing with that subject matter, how they age and um, maybe even become better once yeah. we're not thinking about it as much. Yeah. So number six, um, my number six uh, is one that I was surprised—not that I liked, but that actually that was coming out that it happened because it's been a while since this director put something out, and that's uh, *Crimes of the Future* by oh. David Cronenberg. Um, and so I was just blown away that this the director at this time in his life 
he's a, um, older and farther along in his career, could put something out that feels as fresh as something he did, what, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. The things it's dealing with and the imagery of it and the subtlety of it, um, and it was very surprising to me how much I like this movie. And I think it could be held up against his best work. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's one I, I need to rewatch this one, but it's one that's just stuck in my head all year long. And, um, I really hope that time allows him to do more work because I want to see what he does. Um, and especially with how strong this was. Yeah. 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 Uh, I very much enjoyed it. It's one I need to rewatch again. It's on my my honorable mentions. Mm. Um, that's another one uh, that I was sad as it kept falling, and it was one that was fighting for that that elusive number ten spot. Like what? There were just so many movies that felt like no, you need to you need to be on this list, and it's okay if these others are above you, but you need to be on this list. And, uh, I, yeah, I think part of it is like how much I love Cronenberg. Yeah, that it just had to be on the like. I, even though I I really liked the movie, yeah. that I was like there was no question that it was on there just for the aspect of like there was a new Cronenberg yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, my number six, uh, I'm shocked, fell to number six. That's that's kind of the running theme with all of yeah. this. Um, but it's it's Robert Eggers' The Northman. Mm. Uh, this movie has no business being as good as it is. <laughs> it is such a uh, just striking and, I mean, not just visually striking, but thematically striking, mm-hmm. uh, sort of super loose retelling of of some of the legends that inspired Hamlet. Mm. And um, it was, I've, I've watched this one several times over the course of the year. Yeah. This one is also one that came out fairly early. Mm-hmm. Um, but just everything about this always seems to turn in a slightly different direction than I was expecting it to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it it holds to what you would expect of it right up through the end of the first kind of battle scene. Mm-hmm. And then it just starts deciding to be its own thing. And it gets very um, mythological and primal and, yeah. and epic in, in the sense of old epic poetry, Beowulf kind mm-hmm. of epic, not what we think of as epic today. Like, oh, giant CG splash, you know, fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I love the the dedication of the craft in this movie, how much is just devoted to trying to recapture this period mm-hmm. as authentically as possible. And um it it just it it continues to wow me and kind of kind of take my breath away uh you know in the way that not falling in love, but like getting punched in the chest. Just yeah, yeah. Uh, that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, every time I watch it. So, yeah, The Northman is my number six. Nice. Number five, Clint. Number five for me. Well, this is one that we've already mentioned and has been on your list, but Glass Onion is my number five. <sighs> yes, and I'm excited to hear, like, your experience because we haven't talked about you no, watching no. this. So, uh, yeah, I love the first um, Onion movie, or not the Onion, but the Knives Out movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ryan Johnson is, other than the Star Wars movie, <laughs> even though I, I like that, yeah. um, is one of my favorite directors. Yeah. Like Brick is one of my top, I don't know, 10 movies yeah. ever made, probably. I love his that Star movie. Wars movie is a movie of moments that yeah. are good. Yeah. All of his other movies are just complete packages. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I can see, and even in that one, I saw what he was going for. And there was just elements of it that were maybe just too Star Wars-y. Too Star (laughs) Wars-y. I think if he had made that movie after Andor, I think they would have allowed it to be more of a... That's another conversation. Right, yeah. Um, it's, It's, you know, prequel, sequel Star Wars. Yeah. And I think... So going into this one, I was... Kind of just disappointed that it was going to be on Netflix Mm -hmm. because I wanted to see it in theaters and Mm -hmm. didn't even realize that they had done like a week of it. Um, So I was bummed that it was like, oh, it's just going like one of those things that's going to disappear on Netflix. And um, I uh, and I wasn't really like paying attention to it almost Mm -hmm. because I wasn't watching the trailers for it because I was almost just like, oh, I want to go like it's a Mm -hmm. mystery film. I want to go in fresh. Um, And starting out in the movie, I was kind of not say disappointed, but I was holding it up against my memory of the mm-hmm. first one. And so I was like, kind of like, I don't know if I like these characters as much. Um, I'm not sure. And then it gets to the halfway point of this mm-hmm. film. The halfway point of this movie is what turned me and realized, oh, right. It's Ryan Johnson. Yep, He's amazing. And this is winning me over. And th- from that point on, I was totally good with it. Yeah. I, um, then I, like I said, I rewatched the original and I was trying to remember, like, I wanted to go in wondering uh, or to see how I compare these characters. Do I like these characters that he's bringing to the Glass Onion? They're, I mean, they're wildly different. The story is very different. Um, I think the key elements that are important to a Knives Out story are there. Um, it is a different setting and everything, and they're the characters are wildly different. Um, well, not wildly. They are a different kind of entitled rich person. Yes. Um, a different kind of unlikable. Unlikable, entitled yeah. rich person. And I think what was uh, my difficulty with it, this one, the new one, um, uh, Glass Onion, was it was a more like, um, like a rich, entitled asshole of a person that's very much in the news yeah. and we're very much dealing with like on a daily basis yeah. that I have to like think about. It felt more direct parody at first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so once I got past that aspect of it and then like watching the original, I was like, no, these characters are just as good. Um, the first half of it is just as strong as the first half of it, especially rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Cause I watched it again with Jenny um, after watching the first one and just getting to watch it through her eyes and her enjoying it. And, and now seeing the original, I was like, no, this it's all there. Complete package. I, I think it's fantastic. Like on another year, like with not as like such strong movies, this could yeah. have been very closer to the top. Yeah. And I think it's one of those where I'll keep going back to it. Mm-hmm. And because it's so enjoyable and so kind of light and easy um, going that it'll become stronger. It'll be one that I'll continue to enjoy. And even like more so than some of these that are like, you know, like tar or something, it's like, you see the amazing, like it's amazing, but it's not one I'm going to go to over and over again. Um, So I I loved the glass onion. It was awesome. <laughs> but I think we should have like conversation, like going through it and yeah. breaking it down. It would because, be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's so many fun twists to it and the things that uh, I don't a lot know. of movies do the Easter egg thing. This doesn't have Easter eggs. This just has a lot of little jokes yeah. that are there for future watches. Yeah. Uh, because when I watched it the second time, 
I would find myself laughing at a whole other layer of comedy mm-hmm. that's specifically cannot be there for another reason than you're coming back through, we're winking at you now. And you didn't realize we were doing it before. Yeah, yeah. But here's here's your your second layer kind yeah. of thing. I think at first my one of my when I was first starting it and was turning me off a bit is I've been having a hard time with things that are setting themselves during COVID. Mm-hmm. So soon after COVID, yeah. but one, I'm glad this one really kind of ditches that aspect of it, yeah, um, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, once it get past, gets past that, it ditches it quickly, and I think it also, in retrospect, it, it in the moment it felt, oh, this is a weird sort of yeah dating of when this movie was made. I realized later when I watched it the second time, especially that oh. This is just another thing that's showing us who all of these people are as we're meeting them, just with the type of masks or the way they handle themselves or, well, uh, you know, so even there, uh, you know, he's using it for something else. Well, also in the original does that too, yeah. the first one, because you, like there's the certain kind of people and like the yeah. the, the little boy, the son who's like alt right and yep. like it's things. That, and I yeah. I listened to some conversations with Ryan Johnson and he, him talking about it and he was talking about his love of Agatha, Agatha Christie mm-hmm. and how in the time period she was doing it, she wasn't trying to be in another time period. She yeah. was referencing things that she was dealing with. And to us now, it feels like it's a time, it's being set in a certain yeah. time period. So he wanted to do the same thing yeah. where it's, it's set in modern time and it's not shying away from that. Yeah. And it's dealing with the things we're dealing with. And uh, so I, in retrospective, I, I, I really enjoy that yeah. he's doing that and uh, making it feel contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this movie has my favorite red herring of any mystery movie ever, <laughs> which is this random guy uh-huh. uh, that's staying on this island. Mm-hmm. And uh, he played uh, one of the detectives in Knives Out. Yeah, and, and he's been in every one yes. of his movies since Brick. Um, oh, and did you know, uh, you probably saw it too, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's the dog. He's the voice of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, my number five, uh, I this is another one. I I this was in my number two spot for a long time. Then was in my number three spot, and I thought for sure nothing will crack it out of the top three. But the Batman, mm. and you already talked about it. I love it for all the same reasons you do. Uh, this is this is about as uh, as as close I, as I can imagine to a movie getting to the feel of going through a kind of uh, gritty detective Batman graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved it. I didn't care it was three hours. I loved that it was three hours. I could have Me taken too. a six-hour series or whatever they mm-hmm. wanted to do with it. I really enjoyed the world and the characters. I thought the casting was great. Um, and I am both really looking forward to his next one. Yeah. But also at the same time, even if it's really good, I wonder if it'll be able to to capture – what this movie really had, which is it it felt so different to me and it felt so new, even though it was a very classic approach to Batman. Yeah. Uh it was it was a lot of just sort of discovery of this world. I wonder if they'll be able to replicate that in the next one or if, or if he'll have another trick up his sleeve. With how he works, especially with like the Planet of the Apes yep. movies and how much they got better with each one, yep. and he would do surprising things. Like I think he's a, has the ability to do something surprising yeah. 
And especially since the world is just like now solid and set, he can enjoy, like have the enjoyment of like exploring other aspects that maybe other things haven't explored with Batman. Which is exactly what he did with Planet of the Apes. As that trilogy went on, he kept expanding the world. Mm -hmm. And so if he follows that same approach and you can only expand a city so far, but you can, you can dig into other corners of it and other classes and other subcultures and, uh, I I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I I yeah. just I know, I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to the second one. I'm cautiously optimistic. Right. Um, I'm hoping it recaptures that magic for so. sure. All right. So I think we're to your number four. Well, my number four is The Northman. Um, this is one that I've revisited and watched a couple more times too, and it's gets more surprising every time. And, and there's different things, like especially like. Like you said, that the first, I don't know, whatever quarter of it is what you kind of expect from the story. Mm-hmm. And then when it settles into what it actually is, um, the first time I was thrown off and like kind of surprised, like I was like, oh, we're settling. We're just going to be in this village now. But what he does with it and it becomes so much more interesting than it could have been as far as just it could have been just this <laughs> this like Viking warrior mm-hmm. on the war path going in, you know, on raids and stuff. And this goes in a different angle. That's, I think overall much more interesting and deeper. And I love this, like the, the um kind of like, it's not clear in as far as is this, he ex- actually experiencing certain things mm-hmm. in the film or is this just, I don't know, just in his head or like, I love that ambigu- ambiguity of it um, and the imagery of it. It's, how much is magical? How much is just his religious belief right. being visualized on screen? Right. Yeah. And, it, and I think sometimes I'm disappointed if it's just um, – something that's in somebody's head or somebody's mm-hmm. just there uh fervor for like wanting to believe these things. I this one doesn't do that to me. Yeah. I think it's just as interesting and um as and powerful in either way. Yeah. If you're and, more of a pragmatist, you can watch it that way. Yeah. If you're more of a you know somebody who enjoys the supernatural, you can totally watch it that yeah. way. Um and I think it's beautiful. Um there was <laughs> actually I got so defensive this of this movie because there what is the um the series on YouTube that they go through and break down like visual effects and oh um uh, VF uh, VX art uh, FX artist react or yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they did that to Court this one the, mm-hmm. and I got I was like I'm it turned me off from that show completely oh I just skipped it because it was yeah. it was like no don't better. don't you ruin it's this better for me. because like they yeah. had. Like they were not kind to this film, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was like, "I how can I trust anything you say after <laughs> this?" Because of how like strongly I feel this film about yeah. this film. Um, so I, I forgave them. I moved on, but I can't. I hear you. I don't forget. I'm sorry. Them. I'm sorry. Don't Usually, forget. Don't forget. If I, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely what Gandalf said before he <laughs> fell in the pit. Don't forget them. Don't forget. <laughs> if he was a wise man, yeah. he would have. avenge me for him. <laughs> So yeah, the Northman. I I will um, I think continue to love it even more. Okay, uh, my number four 
Now, now we're going to flip because my number four, instead of being sad, it kept falling down the list. Yeah. It's one that uh, my top four, well, my top, excuse me, no, my number two, my number three, my number four, my number one has been set. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to touch my number one. I suspect it's your number one as well. Uh, but number two, number three, number four, man, they kept switching places. I I love my two through four, these three films. And I am sad that this one reached the bottom of those three, but ask me tomorrow and yeah. it could be at the top of these right. three. Uh, and it is Watcher. Uh, and I was not going into this expecting it to be on my list at all. At best, I I like um, Micah Monroe. I think she's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Bern Gorman is, is a creepy dude. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, this will be a fun little Hitchcockian thing. Uh, this movie has completely wrapped its way around my brain. Mm. I have found myself thinking about it at random times. I come back to it. It is such a masterclass in just atmospheric yeah. mystery mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. And there's there's nothing specifically great about it other than when you take all of its components and you put it together, it works so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. You genuinely cannot figure out is is this main character is this woman paranoid or is she really on to something mm-hmm. is this guy really a threat or is he just being misunderstood uh even the way it plays with you the viewer mm-hmm. uh, we talked at length about that subway scene oh yeah that subway scene is still one of the best scenes of the year oh yeah it's i feel like it's up there with classic yep. movie scenes yep uh this this kind of you know takes its cues from hitchcock and just so surpasses and and sort of is the culmination of everything those old filmmakers were were really working to accomplish mm-hmm. um and just just everything about this even even the fact that uh it doesn't subtitle uh the the foreign languages yeah. because she is her perspective. an american who doesn't understand yeah. this language and so she'll be sitting in a room and all these people are talking and you would think it's main dialogue we should understand but mm-hmm. no we are constantly glued to her. She doesn't understand, so we don't get mm-hmm. subtitles. Um, just, just everything about this, including the ending, which was, yeah, uh, you know, it, it really. I would have been satisfied regardless of which direction it went, and it it definitely went in a direction that was uh, it was good. So, and this one I think falls into like a lot of the like like um, men is like yeah. the the idea of you know believing this woman's perspective mm-hmm. and what she's saying yep. and uh, what she's going through um also this one fall this was 14 for me mm-hmm. and i was sad that it was that far down because like there's so many great like these small indie films yep. that uh, i and i think if i had got to rewatch it it may have jumped up or if we had just done a top 20 like it would have been higher i don't know um but this yeah this film was fantastic and it's yeah. one that i've have thought about um throughout the year since seeing it and yep. um it's yeah it's great so Clint Jones, your oh, are we at the top three now? We are. Do you want to go through our? Let's take a break and let's talk about our honorable mentions. A lot of them we mentioned already. What are what are your kind of eleven through twenty? So I'll go. Th- I'll start at twenty. Okay. Um, and this is one that we haven't talked about, and I'll leave room for us to talk about it another time. But um, bones and all, hmm. that is my number twenty. Um, and number 19 is Triangle of Sadness, which I had talked about. I need to watch it. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. That's from the guy who did um, uh, The Square. The Square, yeah. yeah. And um, Enforce Majeure. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
18 was Vesper. Mm. Um, that's another one where I need to rewatch it and it could jump up. Uh, 17, this is another movie that we haven't talked about on the podcast. We talked about it briefly, um, just in, you know, human real life. Uh, but <laughs> this is uh, Resurrection. And yes. this is one that I want to talk about because I was honestly blown away by this film and how much I liked it. It was one that I kept jumping over on, you know, like Amazon, like seeing the thing and thinking it's one thing and then actually watching it. And it's so much more surprising and interesting than uh, it probably has the right to be because <laughs> it's it's a very simple story, yeah. but the the things it's talking about and decides to do is so interesting. Yeah, it's 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 almost as if Watcher and Men had a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sixteen was uh, Bardo, False Chronicles mm. of a Handful of Truths Still by uh, Alejandro Inarritu. Man, this one's got had doesn't have that much love. Like it's probably like a fifty percent. On Rotten Tomatoes, but I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, 15 um, was The Stranger by Tom mm-hmm. Wright. And this one, I think we talked about briefly on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this was another one that caught me off guard and like did that dodge and weave thing. If you think it's something going in and, and then it reveals like, no, this is what we're doing with this. And yeah. it's so much more fascinating than... Um, a lot of other films that do have told similar stories and just the acting is another caliber. Um, yeah, that's yeah. one. It was also competing for my number 10 spot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's on Netflix. Like, so if you haven't seen, Go man, it. it's so good. Catch up. Yeah. Um, then 14, like I said, was Watcher. 13 is The Menu. Mm-hmm. Um and this is one I rewatched it last night. And like, I think it's one that will slowly creep up. Yeah. Um, it's, we went and saw that together yeah. and, uh, you had been gushing over it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I, I wasn't quite sure if it was going to live up to that, but it was as good as you said it I was. I like the mouthfeel of it. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say mouthfeel. Um, 12 was, this is another one I want to talk about at some point. And this is another one that's not getting much love. And I, um, I can kind of see why. But it's one that's stuck in my head and I think will slowly get better for me is because I watched it twice and it actually, the second time, it made so much more sense and I liked it even more. Um, and that is White Noise by Noah mm. Baumbach. Yep. And I can see why people might not like it. It's a super strange movie <laughs> and it's dealing with very, like, a lot of different things packed into it. Yeah. And just like the normalcy of life and then like the normal, like in the idea of death and like how we deal with that as people. And this is something like just in a personal like level, like it's something that is, I'm always in this (laughs) space of existential dread (laughs) and this tapped into that. And, uh, but also just like kind of the simplicity and monotony of life at the same time while dealing with that like alongside. Um, And it's like, it's well act, it's really well acted and there's an interesting I really appreciate it's really interesting tone to it like mm-hmm. I really appreciated that Noah Baumbach really reached and tried something different like it yeah. doesn't feel like his other films yeah oh and number 11 is 3000 years of longing mm. and like I said this one I battled this one was yeah. on the list for a long time and could switch places with um, like men at any point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. 
so mine at number 20, This Is Guar, which you turned me on oh, to. Oh, yeah. I uh, cannot believe how much heart is in that movie. I know, yeah. Uh, considering you know, what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, fantastic little documentary. Uh, my 19 was Crimes of the Future. Mm. That was another one I kept. I could not believe it went as low on my list as it yeah. did. Because it was it was such a a strange and and sort of alluring film mm-hmm. uh, that really tapped back into old Cronenberg. So I was I was sad to to drop it that low. Yeah, um, eighteen is White Noise, mm. which the only thing I'll add, I laughed like an idiot through this movie. <laughs> I laughed more than at one point. My son looked at me because he was watching it with me, and he said is this a good movie? And I said, I have no idea, but it's great. And he laughed and said, okay, I was just checking to make sure it wasn't just me. And then we went back to laughing at it. Mm. And it just, I, I completely agree with you. I need to watch it a second time. I suspect it will sneak up yeah. uh, higher than that if I redid this list. Uh, number 17 is Men, which we've talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Shocked how low that went. 16, I was not expecting to be on my top 20, but Mad God, which is the stop motion Phil Tippett flick. Mm. Um, number 15, Vesper, which I was also very impressed with. I haven't gotten to watch it more than once, but it sort of fell into a prospectish kind of uh, place in my heart. Mm -hmm. I I really liked it. It it really understood how to do low budget sci-fi. Uh, number 14 was Resurrection, which we are 100% going to talk about. The only yeah. reason I didn't talk about it is because there was never really a time, and I thought, you're not going to like this movie. <laughs> so when you suddenly started talking about Resurrection the other week, I'm yeah. like, seriously right now? <laughs> All those weeks we were trying to think of a third movie to watch, and you liked Resurrection? Uh, number 12, or excuse me, 13 is Pearl. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I forgot about Pearl. Not because of a prequel. Uh, but just yeah. a standalone film, yeah. I I thought this was exceptional horror. Uh, number now I've gotten all confused. Number twelve, yeah, is The Stranger on mm. Netflix. This one uh, really fought for that number ten spot. Yeah, and uh, that one was a hard one. And then my number eleven was also that's the one that was uh, the longest on the top ten list that just peeled off because of Tar. 3,000 Years of Longing, mm, yeah. which was such a surprise. And uh, honestly, I feel like if if I would have just watched it again, me too. I think I would have figured out something to, yep. to shove down to get I it back I probably would have taken Man Off and put it yeah. in my 10 spot, yeah. but I didn't have time to rewatch it. I, I suspect maybe if I rewatched them all, Windfall yeah. uh, would probably fall a little lower mm-hmm. just because I enjoy it. But at the same time, it's not incredible filmmaking whereas 3000 years of longing i think is it's 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 got a lot more to it i mean windfall is yeah. is good i i yeah. i really did enjoy that movie too yeah. it just there's something about some of these movies where they're they're equally good but this movie over here did something additional yeah you know, or it had an additional challenge that it really overcame and it, you and i have talked about it how objectively, how can you possibly say one of these movies is better than another? It's all subjective. I'm not even like, I'm not even really saying they're better. It's just like some kind of emotional reaction that something is stuck in my head. And like next week it could change. So it's like, I'm not like saying this is an award ceremony. This is more (laughs) like an emotional, like roller coaster of movie watching. (laughs) This has been a great year. Yeah. All right. So Clint Jones, here we go. Top three. What is your number three of 2022? My number three is Jordan Peele's Nope. Nice. 
Yeah, and this one probably could have jumped. Maybe could have been two. I, I, um, this movie is fantastic. It's it, it taps into like all, all the things I want to see in like a big budget. Like it's like as close as we'll get to seeing like a classic like Spielberg film. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's hilarious. Like it stays true to like just Jordan Peele as in his comedy chops. It's the mystery around what is happening is like top level, top shelf, top of the heap. Such a good midway reveal. Such a good reveal. Um, And it's still like even like after it's revealed, it doesn't lessen like it like the what he does with like aspects of showing what this thing is Mm -hmm. and like and how the people are reacting to it. Um, It just gets more interesting as it goes and. Man, like in the subtlety of like just storytelling as far as like characters, mm-hmm. there's not these like moments where you're for like long dialogue where you're sitting down and learning something about these characters. It's all through like showing in interaction mm-hmm. between this brother and sister that you learn anything about yeah. them. And it's, and you get the full picture of who these people are and how they love each other yeah. and what they would do for each other. And uh, I'm, it's one that I can't wait to watch even more. Uh, I, I, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's my favorite of his films. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I'll just kind of hop over three to number two so we can talk about it at the same time. My number two is Nope. Yeah. And I I just, I was so taken with this movie. And I I just continue to. I show it to people. Mm-hmm. I recommend it to people. I rewatch it. Um, I find something new every time. Yeah. It is, it is such a just expertly designed uh creature feature yeah um that it, it it simultaneously feels very classic and and nostalgic mm-hmm. and new and and innovative and inventive and um i just even then there are still mysteries left unsolved there are things you can come up with a solution yeah. to or that you have your own head canon about yeah but really there's there's some things in this movie that is just there to make you think. Mm-hmm. And it does that not in a pretentious way, but through that lens of of genre and, and sci-fi horror, just to get you thinking about what's really going on in this world. Then you stack on top of that characters that I genuinely have affection for. Yep. This brother-sister duo, and not just them, but especially the brother-sister yeah. duo. Uh, I just, I love them to death. They're They're two of the most realistic... Uh, family mm-hmm. characters uh, that I've that I've seen in in this kind of movie, and um, like you don't see a lot of movies about like a brother sister yep. relationship. Yep, it's really interesting. Yeah, there's no romance in this at all. No, no. There's no oh no, my love interest. Uh, and then ultimately, there is just one sequence in this movie that involves everything from digestion to <laughs> a, a house in a storm that is not rain. Uh, to uh, you know, tension and falling items and breaking cars and oh my goodness, that oh. whole sequence. Like um, we said about um, <laughs> uh, uh, the Banshees of Anna Sharon. Yeah. Like he's just as good at like just switching tones yeah. because it can be a comedy and then just goes to straight like that scene where yeah. it's just straight horror like some of the best horror you've seen in a long time. And I think what's interesting is he never changes the tone of the movie. No, no. The characters 
react differently to different things. Yeah. So all your humor comes through funny characters. So when they're in a horrifying situation, it can very easily shift to not being funny because they're not making a joke right now. Right. Yeah. And so I I wish that that other movies would figure this out instead of changing your movie to suit the tone you're going for, change your characters because that's how people right. react. Yeah. But really if you watch this, it's it holds a consistent tone. Yeah. And the characters sort of rise and fall. Mm-hmm. And I just I I don't think before this movie I would have been able to articulate that. Yeah. Um but this one really uh made it click in for me why in this particular movie, his his shifting of tones is able to work so well. But right. I, yeah, I adore this movie. And, and like, it's a great creature feature, horror, mm-hmm. comedy, but it, like the idea of what he's trying to center it around and explore, like like the bad the miracle spectacle and and and, and, and uh, what we like as a like society, how mm-hmm. we react to that and what we do with it. Um, just that idea of exploring that through this lens is so interesting. Yeah. I love that, like the great horror classics of old that uh, were timely and that had another layer that we're talking about something culture is examining. Mm-hmm. This does that. Yep. And, and it does it without, uh, you know, shoving it in your face. It just sort of, it's there and you can't help but think about things related to that. And he finds, oh my goodness, 82 different angles to come at it from. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that. So uh, now I'm really weird because uh, (laughs) my Clint bingo card (laughs) has really left me confused about what your number two is because I... This makes me think that like I just like forgot, like there's a glaring like thing that I'm missing. I don't, well, no, I know, I know my uh, number three uh, is already been elsewhere for you. So I got that one. But I've been trying okay. to figure out your top three this whole list. Okay. So and what is your top, your third? Because you well, just... Well, that's... So Nope is my second. But yeah. I'll talk about my third here okay. in a second. I want to hear your second. I am dying to know. <laughs> this is killing me. Well, this is like going back to our, our whatever, our 20 now. I'm surprised that it's so low on yours. But Mad God is my number two. Is th- your number two? Yeah. Oh, Clint, I love you. That's so Clint of you. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> this is like the perfect film for me because I, I love stop motion. It's stop motion horror. It's been, the, been this passion project of Phil Tippett for thirty years, thirty plus years. Yeah, man. It's like I, it's also no dialogue. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah. and, like, um, man. When you can tell a story through just visuals alone, I'm hooked in. Um, and I just love just the just this world. It's so strange in like fully realized and um, exploring things that like really you haven't seen before. Yeah. And uh, I I just love that it's just this fully created, realized world. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I, as much as I like, that's the thing with um, we. I don't know if we talked. Did we talk about Pinocchio? Yes. No. No, uh, we, we talked about it, it, it okay. but we haven't talked we'll, we'll about it. On we'll here. talk about Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's weirdly fascist or yeah. anti-fascist. Yeah, it just decides uh, to go into fascism a yeah. lot. <laughs> a lot of Mussolini in that yeah, film. A lot of literal Mussolini in that film. Um. So anyway, why <laughs> that movie could never probably make it to my top ten is because it's competing with Phil Tippett's The Mad God, which okay. I think nails. Um, so many similar ideas in a better way. 
As soon as you said it out loud, it makes so much sense. It's sitting <laughs> right there in the center square, slightly to the right. Uh, yeah. But man, I this this whole time I'm like, what is your top three? What is your top three? Yeah. Nope, yeah. not that. Nope, there goes the Batman. Nope, there goes the Northman. Okay. Mad God. Yeah. All right. No, that that is very Clinton Jonesy of yeah. you. I love you. All right. Uh my number three, then, you just, is... You put this, like, all out of order now. It's I, all out of whack. Uh, well, my number two and number three honestly flip back and forth. Okay. Uh, nope and the menu. I love the menu. Yeah. I I have an unhealthy affection <laughs> for the menu. I just watched it again last night with my wife. Yeah. She loves the menu. Uh, this is one I know for sure it went higher up in my list because we watch cooking shows all the time. Okay. And it, this is a good movie regardless. It's a great movie regardless. But if you watch cooking shows, <laughs> there is a whole other layer of self-deprecation and enjoyment Yeah, yeah. to this movie uh, that's just for you. Uh, I love this. This is not at all what I was thinking it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I thought at most it would be a decent genre flick. I thought it was going to be a cannibalism twist or just something yeah. basic. And it's not. It's so much more. This is about class and wealth and privilege mm -hmm. and uh, takers art. versus, yes, and art. Being destroyed. Uh, the, the artists sort of being snuffed out yeah. slowly over time mm -hmm. by society and, and what that does to an artist. Uh, service individuals versus the elite. And there's so much going on in this movie. And it takes its time. Mm -hmm. I love that it takes its time because this is the kind of movie where a typical just horror genre, you know, everyday person who loves to go see horror movies, this is the kind of movie that would drive them nuts, I think, for yeah. a while. Because you're just like, when are we getting to the good stuff? When are we getting to the good stuff? And I'm sitting there thinking... We're in the good stuff. Right. Keep with it. And it just slowly unfolds mm -hmm. its horror while still keeping such a, a weirdly surreal dark humor to yeah. it. Uh, this is one that there are times you definitely won't laugh and times that are so funny. I was so glad taking you to the theater to see this. <laughs> I was really nervous you wouldn't like it. Yeah. And almost from the beginning, you were laughing at all the right spots. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, totally, I'm not crazy. Yeah, tuned into what they were going yeah. for. And yeah. I am like, I really like this movie. And I'm surprised it's still just like 13 for yeah. me. Like, and I think like I... It was lower than that. Yeah. And then I watched it again last night and it yeah. jumped up considerably. So I think watching it even more, because I want to watch it with Jenny. Yeah. It um, gets it gets better with each rewatch too. Yeah, it does. It actually like really changed for me the second time as far like it was much more horrifying. Yeah. Especially with uh Ray Fiennes, like his character, like I didn't see him as funny the second time. Yeah. He was more just like sad and horrifying and scary the entire a time. Really for me. disturbed cult yeah. leader. Uh, the second time it really clicked in how much this is a cult. Yeah. That he has created amongst his staff. Yeah. And that was a whole other layer to it. Yeah. Um, and the second time watching just like all the other people in the kitchen and they're like thinking in their mindset of like how they're following. Like, oh, yeah. You know where it's going. Yeah. And they're yeah. all following along and have planned this thing out and how much darker it is the second yeah. time around. Not a single defector. They are no. religious. Exactly. Um, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the menu. The menu and Nope. I, I love them both. They're both kind of horror genre treats uh, that are very different than the typical yeah. Uh, it's what you very expect. good. Yeah. All right. So 
That brings us to... Do we want to just say it together? 100%, because you know it, I know it. This movie has been stuck in my number one spot yeah. since I watched it the first time, mm-hmm. much less the second, third, fourth. Yeah. I've watched this movie also an unhealthy <laughs> amount of times. Uh, go ahead and say it, Clint. Everything everywhere, all Everything, at once. everywhere, all at once. God bless this movie. Yeah. Incredible movie. Uh, we have talked about this, I, I know, at length. Um, it's it's a movie I don't even like to describe to people yeah. other than just watch it. Mm-hmm. And you will be confused at times, and you will at times wonder what's the big deal. At times you will think, oh, this is fun. Just watch it. Because yeah. by the end, this movie does things to you. <laughs> it really does. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is another one that has no business being as effective as it is. Yeah. And it's it such just, a slow burn towards yep. what it's actually uh, has in store for you. Yep. And then once it like gets those like talons into you, <sighs> you can't, it doesn't let go. And yep. you watch it again and it's there from the beginning yep. and it's just as strong. Like the, it actually, there's so many times like with a comedy movie, especially where it's not quite as funny yeah. you seeing it multiple times. This one gets funnier every time. It gets more emotional every time. Yep. The action is more impressive every time. Um, the characters are more enjoyable. Like, I, like man, I would give every award to this movie if I could. And yep. I feel like it's going to be overlooked by anybody who can actually give an award and is yep. sad. With, it's, it's the classic case of coming out earlier in the year. Yeah. I think if this had come out in October, November... It would be getting all the buzz, all the talk. Um, it it is up for a BAFTA. Mm-hmm. Um, those nominations just came out, and so I was happy to see it on there. That's usually an early indicator of of the Globes and and Oscars. But um, yeah, I I'm just I'm so worried this will not be seen for everything that it actually is. Yeah, it it just it balances and juggles and. And uh, uses so many different things that make no sense and somehow brings them together to make more sense of the human experience than literally any movie for me personally I've ever seen. Yeah. I realized, I told Rachel the other day, uh, this is the first time in decades that a movie has dethroned uh, and just shoved my entire best movies of all time down. Mm. And this one has landed in my top spot. And oh, I yeah. just, I kept rewatching it and thinking, well, we'll see if it holds on. And I just, I love this movie. Yeah. It's stupid the amount I love it. <laughs> I was glad how much you loved it because like I was, I was really trying to explain it to you and you were not sold when I was like, look, we're going to go see this thing. And I was so happy that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, it's such a phenomenal like piece of and it's one of the like we we were we had a discussion recently about just the idea of like money going into films mm-hmm. and like how that affects a production and stuff and like this movie was made for compared to other movies of this caliber made for a ridiculously small amount of money yep. and it's such like this like perfect uh, culmination of like an artist's personal project or these artists at the center of it doing anything they can, like with any means they can to get the vision across that they can. And then money is not holding them back. You would it, never know this movie. No. It's shocking how little money is in this movie. Yeah. Because it does not look. It looks like a movie that somebody has pumped 70, 80, 100 million into. Yeah. Um, 
but it just mm. Mm. it's it's wonderful. Oh, Clint, <laughs> so good. I I had no doubt that was a center square on my bingo card for you. Yeah, I had no doubt that would be your top. I I actually would have just probably quit and walked out of the room <laughs> if that was your number two. That's there why was, I was like, I got to know what your number two is. There was no question. Yeah, like all year long. Yeah. Like that no movie was going to dethrone that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep comparing it to, you know, we we did an earlier episode where we did our best of the decade from 2010 to 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think we both landed on Mad Max Fury Road. I think I had mm-hmm. a small delusion where Whiplash was going to beat that for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, I came back around to Mad Max Fury Road since that recording. But uh, if if you, you know, held a gun to my head and told me one of these films have to be burned forever and you can only keep one, I would I would keep everything everywhere. It just, yeah. man, it has no business making me cry as much as this movie makes me cry. I know. <laughs> I just, my face was drowning. Yeah. It, it taps into so many things yeah. by the end. It's yeah. amazing. So uh, that wraps up our top 10 movies of the year list. Do you want to go back through your top 10, starting at number 10 and going to number one, Clint? Men, Tar, The Banshees of Sharon, The Batman, Crimes of the Future, Glass Onion, The Northman, Nope, Mad God, and finally, Everything Everywhere, all at once. Mine was Tar at number 10, Glass Onion, Banshees of Inishirin, Windfall, The Northman, The Batman, Watcher, The Menu, Nope, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Clint, we went through this entire podcast without mispronouncing Inishirin one time. We get the trophies for the day. I love it. We get all the trophies. All right. Well, we will be back in a couple of days, probably four or five days. We're going to cram these three episodes in so you get them kind of in in successive order with our best TV of the year. Uh, But for now... I am Ken, and this is Clint, and signing off on our top 10 films of the year. You got your name back. I did. I did. I decided I didn't want to be you anymore. Oh. Sorry. That's okay. It was the menu versus Mad God. (laughs) (laughs) See you, Ken. See you, Clint. Clint.